Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Atlanta Baseball Talk, your weekly podcast for all things Atlanta Braves. Welcome to Atlanta Baseball Talk, show number 485. Today is Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020, and my name is Steve. No hammy tonight, but I'm joined by Curtis. And before we start, folks, please help out the show by telling your friends, sharing links, and writing reviews. All right, so tonight is another in our series of midweek shows we're doing, where we talk to some of our favorite Braves podcasters on our farewell tour. And tonight we welcome Dylan Short and Doc Herbert of the Platinum Sombrero podcast. But first, a quick break. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Dylan and Doc, welcome to the show. This is long overdue. Uh, Doc, how you doing tonight? I am spectacular. I'm I'm so excited to be here. I know I kind of was. Uh, praising you guys earlier, but I've wanted to be on Atlanta Baseball Talk ever since Ever since I was just a big, giant nobody. So I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, it was very kind, and I'm sorry I wasn't recording then, because it was really good stuff. Um, Dylan, how are you? Uh, just over here trying to shake my head here at my partner, trying to talk like he was an actual nobody forever. But uh, I'm actually I'm, I'm really thankful <laughs> It's really cool. I'm glad that you guys uh, that you guys thought enough of us to bring us on here in the farewell tour. I was sad to hear that you guys were going, man. You guys are the OGs. You guys have been around here forever. 2007. Wow. You guys went through some dark days. It was dark. It was dark. <laughs> we've, we've endured some very dark periods. Well, we, we figured that once we retire, they'll get really good and win a World Series. But we're doing it for the greater good here. <laughs> That's right. But you guys are so close, so close to 500. I'm surprised that you're, uh, you know, I'm hoping that you're actually going to get there and have, have number 500 be the, the last one. I know it would be fun. Um, it, a deep playoff run would help. The, you need to send that up the chain to Alex Anthopoulos. I mean, this, the Braves can't let you down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I should have sent that up the chain at the trade deadline, but you know, here we are. <laughs> um, all right. So guys, I want to, before we start talking about this year's team, I want to talk to you about like your origin stories and Dylan, I want to start with you, right? I know that you've written at multiple blogs over the years. Um, so what was your first Braves related gig and, and when? So that, that's actually a really cool thing. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, it actually started out pretty weird. So I played for, you know, I, I, I was playing up until I was about 21 and then I kind of hit this random spurt of like, I've always been a baseball guy but I never really had enough time between practices and worrying about playing 
to actually do anything with it on the side. So I kind of, I got into radio and I met a buddy there uh, and we did a show called uh, shell shocked and it was, it was covering all sports. Uh, and at the time I was looking to, to write a little bit. I didn't want to do anything like I didn't want to do a lot of anything, but I, I started getting on Twitter finally. And I'd seen doc stuff always. Uh, and I'd started talking to Andy Harris and I can't, I might've asked doc this, or it might've been one of the other guys about somewhere I could go to maybe freelance a little bit. Uh, and they put me in touch with Andy and with Chris Jervis over at uh, Outfield Fly Route. And uh, I think the first piece I ever did was a top 30 breakdown uh, of the Atlanta Braves, where I believe I, I can't remember if I had Colby Allard up at the top, but I might've had Colby Allard up at the top. And it was, it was my first written piece ever. I was super nervous about how it was going to be received. And uh, most of most of the comps at that time have, have not turned out very well. A couple of them turned out well, but um, <laughs> since then, I've, I've kind of floated around a little bit. I, I wrote for Braves Journal for a little bit, but I'm, I'm so bad at being a consistent writer. I, I cannot do a deadline at all. I don't know how Doc does it to have a deadline and have a set deadline every single week. I'm very much a, if you know those, those douchey kind of writers that are like, oh, I need my muse. I'm kind of exactly that. <laughs> I like the self burn. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, so outfield fly rule, um, Braves journal. So what years does that take us through? Uh, I think that was 2018 without the fly rule. Uh, I, I only did like two pieces of Braves journal. And that was last year. I haven't written since. Uh, I keep meaning to write some stuff for the Patreon. And I just, I never have time to sit down anymore. Now that I had a, now that I have a son, I basically have, I've got about 28 hours worth of work to try to fit into a 24 hour day. So unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you feel about my takes, I haven't been able to get any more written work into the ether. Gotcha. Well, so be- before we before we started recording, um, Doc was talking about when you had us on, which was show number twenty six. Got to be a couple years now. What when did when did TPS start? What was that, Doc? Um, I want to say March around March twenty fifth or early March. Uh, Might have been early. Yeah, I think we recorded the episode in late February of 2018, and then it got released like March 1st of that year. I've never been brave enough to go back and listen to it. (laughs) The three and a half hour episodes? We were doing some marathons in the early days. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, our early shows. I mean, I remember in the beginning, it was just me and Ham. Uh, Kurt joined later in the first year. Like we were reading box scores and stuff. Like we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and it's not an yeah, exaggeration. I mean, we really were. It was. Yeah, it was really. Oh, were you? Um, <laughs> so I I do want to just quick break in for a second because I have the game on on my phone. We're recording this. Uh, obviously Wednesday night. It's top of the second, and Luke Jackson has replaced Max Fried, which doesn't seem like a good turn of events. That's just one more thing, right? I mean... Don't like That's just terrible. I mean, he's got to be hurt. He's got to be hurt. Well, they did score three runs, so maybe... I mean, he was throwing 94, it looked like. Yeah, oh my God. Okay, so... (laughs) So, Dylan, um, 
I want to ask one more thing. This was probably a couple years ago. I was driving into work and I was listening to 680 The Fan and you were on, right? And you had some very strange yeah. nickname. I want to say it was Turtle or something. Yeah. So is that so uh, what yeah. what is that story and how long were you at 680 The Fan and what did you do there? Okay, so I started at 680 The Fan. I actually started entering in two different shows, a high school football show and then the front row, which is where you heard me on. Uh, I started that August 20, August like 21st, I want to say, of 2015. Uh, I'd been with them throughout, up, really, I'd been there up until this whole COVID thing happened. I don't know where it stands now. Um, but they give every intern a nickname. I just happen to be Turtle because I don't know if you guys would be shocked to hear this or not, but my default function when I'm in kind of an uh, an unnerving situation or kind of like a, an uncomfortable situation is to talk uh, and to talk sports in particular. So I had cornered uh, Brian Finneran uh, in the, the pre-show room and uh, I was just talking, sport, I was just talking football with him nonstop and uh, took uh, from the show entourage, uh, the guy turtle, all, uh, nobody <laughs> listens to turtle. Or whatever. So uh, that, that's kind of where it was born. And they started out just having me do, like college football and stuff, but eventually they, they got to the point where they just hear me talking about baseball and uh, probably starting in 2018, I started getting a segment every week for, uh, for, for baseball, specifically Braves. And it's been a lot of fun, man. I bet that was really fun. That's cool. Um, it helps that I'm glad I'm, I'm actually really glad that you recognized me as turtle because I can't tell you the number of people that I've, reached out to me like, Hey, this guy on six, eight, the fan said this about the Braves. What do you think? Like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome take. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Guy sounds, what he, sounds like he really knows what he's talking about. <laughs> um, okay. So doc, let's move on to you, right? I discovered you on Twitter a number of years ago and you were at talking chop. I want to say, I know you're still there. So what was your first Braves gig? <laughs> This is uh, this is kind of funny. I was such a nerdy kid that when I was like seven or eight years old, I would I'd be like at my grandparents' house and I would ask like for paper and, and a pen and I would just like go and write stories. I would just like invent games and I would write them up. You know, I was doing this ever since I was a little kid because I always wanted to play baseball, but I was so bad. I have, I'm horribly coordinated and I have awful vision, which... You can't do that and be a baseball player. So I knew very early on that if I was going to do anything for the game, it was going to be writing about it. Um, when I was probably early 30s, this would have been like 2015 or so, I read an article on, I think it was Sports Talk ATL maybe, and it was so bad and so poorly written that I reached out to the editor and was like, hey, you guys need some help over here. Can I write for you? <laughs> and they let me write for them. And I wrote probably three pieces. They were, it was like reading Ulysses. I mean, these were the longest freaking articles and they made no sense. And I didn't even know what I was trying to say, but I needed an outlet. And uh, so after a couple of years, um, I met Ben Chase and he was with Call to the Pen at the time. And he, he asked if I wanted to come write for them. And th this was long after I'd, stopped writing like infinite jest and everything for sports talk ATL. And I really, um, I was like the only Braves guy and I really enjoyed doing it. It was just, uh, the structure for getting paid for it was, uh, kind of wonky and you had to do X amount of articles every month. Like I remember he, 
uh, he sent me a message on New Year's Eve and was like, hey, you're one article from your quota. And I, and I spent like the, that whole afternoon just, you know, banging out some giant article about Brett Cumberland or something back when he was still with the system. And um, after a couple months of doing that, I, it just got, got kind of tricky doing that. I needed, wanted to go somewhere that there were like actual reinforcements where, you know, Ben was like, I was under the umbrella and Ben wasn't really in a position to be like in there writing in, in the trenches with me. You know, he was like the, the editor. So um, after a while, um, I, I had got to know, I'd known Eric Cole at uh, Talking Chop and Chris Willis for years. I'd been on Road to Atlanta with Eric and, uh, and Garab and Garrett when Garrett was still doing the show a couple times. And they said, hey, if you're looking to write, we'd love to bring you on. And that was uh, right before the 2018 season. We started doing TPS and I started write, writing for Talking Chop within about two weeks of each other. Very cool. You know, the it's kind of similar to how we got started. In 2007, I was so sick of local radio because they talked so little Braves. Um, that I was like, I'm going to look for a podcast. And there was one, which I don't remember the name, and I'm not looking to trash anybody, but it was really unlistenable. And <laughs> that sort of led to the idea of, well, why don't we do one? You know, and that's really, that's really how we started, was just trying to fill a void that, you know, we were trying to listen to ourselves or what have you. Um, I mean, and that's, that's what, what, that's kind of what you have to do. You've got to, and you were in such an interesting spot too, because now there's podcasts everywhere. And, 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 and that's not to say, you know, everybody should have a podcast. It is a very awesome experience, but at the same time, as there are a lot of them, there's not as much open space, you know? So if you, if there was just one bad Braves podcast and you're like, Hey, I think I can capitalize on this. I mean, it obviously took for you guys after all of this time. So that's, um, and that's before podcasts were everywhere, you know, the, b- before it became such a rampant thing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, and then, so last question about sort of how you guys got here is Locked On, is it just one of the, I assume it's similar to SB Nation and the other sort of aggregate platforms where you have different local versions throughout the country. Is that what Locked On is? Because I'd honestly not heard about it until... I saw it for on TPS. Actually, yeah. So locked on is something that I started last season. Uh, I took over the Atlanta team from uh, from Nubius uh, Wilburn, who was doing the Pirates one for a while. But they're they're more of a podcasting media company, so they cover across all sports. It's pretty similar to SB Nation. I hadn't heard of them before they reached out to me, but uh, that's the one I started last season. That one's just me. Uh, TPS was the brainchild of, of us that actually. Uh, was funnily enough, uh, weird enough that when I actually decided that I wanted to do a podcast with doc after one episode that he came on and guest hosted with me for shell shocked in 2017. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. that was like, we were, we were planning on doing like a 30 minute show and it turned into like two and a half, three hours. <laughs> I remember cause it was super snowy outside. I didn't get to go to work that day. And I spent like two and a half, three hours talking to doc who I'd never, I'd never spoken to him on the phone before. And uh, I, I just remembered talking to him be like, you know what? I want to do a Braves podcast and that's the guy I want to do it with. That's kind of, that's kind of the origins of that. And then locked on just kind of came out of that because uh, I wasn't writing as much and um, they were willing to pay me. So I was like, okay, sure. 
So is Nubius the guy that was that wrote about the Braves for a minute for the AJC and then moved somewhere else? Yes. Okay. So he had a he had the he had the local locked on podcast before you took it over. Yeah, I, I can't remember how long he did it. To be honest, I didn't really follow his work ever. Um, I'm not going to throw any shots or anything, but just say we we don't agree on a lot of things. Uh, and I'd never heard of them before they kind of rebranded and reached out and started doing new shows and they had an opening for the Braves. And said, okay, sure. I like to talk, so I guess I'll do that. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's great. Um, all right. So let's, let, let's move on to the 2020 Braves. First thing I do want to say is six minutes ago, um, DOB tweeted that Freed tweaked his left ankle on a bunt play. And he was removed as a precaution. So as things go, maybe that's not so bad. Well, he did. After that play, he gave up the two homers and the double. So clearly he was off. Yeah. But better than, like, you know, his shoulder started to hurt. Sure. Okay. Right. Tweaked his back again or something. What's that? Or tweaked his back again. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. And, I mean, I guess it is heartening at least the at least game day had his fastball at 94 which is you know which is a couple of miles an hour faster than his return last week um well let's just start with max i'm sure you guys watched the game uh you know his his return from the il uh you know velocity down a couple miles an hour but he was locating you guys confident in max heading into the playoffs i think so i think first? that he's yeah he's kind of the guy that he's he's got no issue putting himself in harm's way max is the type of guy that would pitch through a broken leg if it was up to him and uh and, and i'm sure you know I, I don't have the game on right now but i'm sure that he was just furious about being told that he was going to be coming out of that game um i i think that that he is just he is Lucas Giolito and Jack Flaherty and Max Reed all over in the same high school rotation, which is, I don't know how they didn't win a state championship, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Giolito has had his ascent. He threw the no hitter this year. Flaherty has been pretty much the, the only reliable pitcher on that Cardinal staff. Um, he's just, and he had kind of his star making turn last year. So I think that Freed is starting to, he's getting some pub, but maybe not as much as he deserves. And, he seems like a really nice and docile guy in person, but he he'll cut you when he's on the mound, and, and I think that that's the type of guy that you want being being your game one guy. So I feel I feel really good about Max. Yeah, no, he, he you know I, I'm I have no doubt that he's a nice guy, but he just looks like permanently angry when they show him in the dugout in between innings and that kind of thing. When he you know when he's pitching, he's just got that game sneer all the time now. Um, all right. So doc, I want to ask you, it's been like, I think this is a really likable team as strange as this year has been. It's been fun. Um, you know, winning is always fun. What's your, what's your favorite storyline of the season? Ooh, I think, um, Freddie Freeman almost dying and then, and then becoming the MVP. Uh, he hasn't won the award or anything, but I mean, he, by all accounts for me, just 
I mean, you, he's the face, you know, he, he is the new chipper. Uh, he's the new Hank Aaron, you know, he's, he's the, he's the Braves player that everybody looks at and says, that's, that's the face. I mean, I know that Acuna eventually he's going to take the title from Freddie, but for right now, I mean, like when we hear that somebody like Freddie gets, gets COVID and is saying prayers that he doesn't die. I mean, that, that hits you in a way that's different than like, just, that's not just a baseball player. You know, that, that's somebody who's like a fixture in your life kind of, and, and seeing him come back and struggle and you're asking yourself, God, is this, what's, what's going on here? Is this what, how he's going to be this entire season? And then he hits this hot streak where he's just hotter than, than anything. I mean, he's hotter than a dancing Bobcat. So he's just go out there. And to me, like, and people are talking about Mookie Betts and, and Manny Machado and Tatis. I mean, those guys are having great years. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, statistically, it doesn't matter what category you're in. Freddie's in the top three of like everything except right. for stolen bases. So to me, um, the the fact that he has ascended to being like a, a this is his first year as like a superstar and being and getting the credit he deserves. To me, that's that's my number one storyline. I love it, Dylan. How about you? You know, I'd like to say Freddie because. At this point, you have to tell me why he's not the MVP instead of making a case for why he is. But I think my favorite storyline is Adam Duvall. Uh-huh. For a guy that was as bad as he was after coming over in that trade, for him to really just be perfectly fine and understanding about going down to the minors, working on some things, coming back up, and last year played a lot of really important at-bats for the Braves, was one of, the, one of two players who was any good in the playoffs last year. And for him to come out this year and just be – all of a sudden one of the best power hitters in baseball while playing some really undervalued or some underrated defense. He's not a main piece. Like he's a complimentary piece at best, but I, I love stories like Adam Duvall is a guy that completely kind of reinvented himself late in his career, knew he had stuff to work on and, and just came up And this season. We, I think everybody would, would have just assumed that if anybody was going to opt out of the season, it was going to be Duvall with his type one diabetes. And sure. Just to, to come in and have the season he's had, I, I have absolutely enjoyed every bit of Adam Duvall. Yeah, and to be thrust into an everyday role, and I was concerned he would be exposed, right, particularly against all the right-handed starting pitching, and he just he just hits everybody. It's been great. Um, yeah, yeah, I love it. You know, I mean, those two for sure. I, For me, I throw Dansby in there. I mean, I know he's had a dip, uh, you know, until last night, really. Um, but Dansby showing much more consistency has been so fun. Um, and Ian Anderson, too, just from day one. How composed and successful. It's just, you know, I mean, it was kind of season-saving, it feels like. Well, just to be where they are with the way the starting pitching has uh, ended up where we thought it was going to be. And now where it is, it's pretty remarkable that the Braves have been able to cobble together this season. And obviously it's based a lot on having the best offense in major league baseball, but to have Soroka go out so early and have all those guys, Hamels have pitched what six innings or five innings all season long. It's pretty remarkable what they've done. So Dylan, at the top of the show, we're talking about Bryce Wilson a little bit. Um, if he looks even as 80% as good on Sunday, the team has announced he will start again on Sunday, last game of the regular season. If he looks even, you know, that close to good as he did Tuesday night, is he your fourth starter in the playoffs come, you know, DS time? 
that is such a good question. I'm a big Wasker Anoa guy. I might be the highest on Wasker Anoa out of any of the podcasters or kind of prospect guys around here. And I do think that Wasker has been supremely underrated as far as his effectiveness this year. But for Bryce, he has the prospect pedigree. He was a starter coming up. There's never been that bullpen. Uh, they, they never brought him up assuming he'd be in the bullpen. If he goes out there and he goes another five or six innings with no walks or one walk, he does what he did last time. I think the Braves would be more comfortable rolling with Bryce, despite the fact that Waskers had a better season. I think for certain it'll be one of those two. Now, I think it's pretty telling that Bryce is the one who's guaranteed another start. Uh, so I, I would think if Bryce goes out there and has another really good showing, I think you're looking at a rotation that's going to have uh, Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright, and Bryce Wilson as your two, three, and four. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's now look, it, it could be, it could be Waskar's fingernail. But the fact that, like you said, the fact that they have Wilson starting on Sunday makes me think they want him to succeed and want him to be the fourth starter. Like they would feel better about it. Uh, you know, I think that's where I am too. Say again. I think that I think that I think you're right on with that. I think that's probably the most likely scenario that they want Bryce to grab that and take control of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think one one more thing about Bryce Wilson as well, if I can jump in on that too, is that uh, he is currently stretched out to give you more uh, more innings or at least more pitches than Anoa is. I mean, I think that if we were looking at because Bryce did seventy seven or seventy five in the in the start against the Marlins, and I think that it uh, he probably could have kept going in a series like that. So even for a team that's going to rely on his bullpen a lot, if they can. I think they have enough faith in the offense to where they can say, look, if Bryce goes out and gives us five innings, even if he allows five runs, the offense is good enough to overcome that as opposed to Inoa going three innings, maybe four, not even sure how he's going to fare in terms of the actual allowing hits or runs, and then having to burn out the bullpen too. So I think just by sheer ability to pitch longer, I think that's part of why, why Bryce is getting, getting the nod. And so let's assume Bryce is number four. They are going to need a fifth starter at some point. You guys think it will be um, Inoa over Tomlin? I mean, it seems like they have shied away from Tomlin after, you know, the whatever four or five starts that he had. He certainly seemed more successful coming in um, as opposed to starting. Uh, Waskar starts game five. You know, I'd like to see them use Jacob Webb as an opener. And bring in Waskar and Noah after him. I think the fifth start would be a bullpen start. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see Jacob Webb used as, as the kind of Tampa Bay traditional opener where he goes an inning or two. And then you bring Waskar in after him. Maybe bring in Tomlin after him. Uh, I think it's pretty telling that when you see Tomlin's numbers as a starter, he, he's been given up a fair amount of hard hits and home runs. A lot of teams have kind of figured him out once you have to go through the second or third time. I do think that they love Tomlin, but I think – with having three or four rookies in your starting rotation, they like the security blanket of Tomlin being able to come in if one of those guys has a bad start and be able to go to Tomlin early. So I love the idea of Webb as a as an opener, a la the Rays. And despite the fact that Snitker in you know, during spring training two said, Yeah, no, we'll consider that, we'll consider everything, like truly never did it all season. Just would if, you know, one of these guys out of the bullpen was looking good, would just want to ride him as long as he could, third time through the lineup, be damned. I just don't know that Snitker has it in him. 
Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I don't think you can spring too many new ideas on him at once. I do know that they, when it was when Tomlin was going to the rotation, I know they approached Tyler Matzik about it, about being in the starting rotation. But I don't think Tyler was comfortable going back to being a starter. Um, that could be another area if Tyler's comfortable doing that. I think they would prefer Tyler Matzik get the start over pretty much any of their other options right there. I'm just not sure if he's comfortable doing that after how badly his career kind of plummeted as a starter and how well he's done as a reliever since then. Okay, I, we need to stop for a second. Kurt, are you happy to hear this? Kurt's been banging the drum for Matzik <laughs> to start for like months. And I literally, now this is I, big news. I, the, the 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 words balloon was coming out of my mouth as to why they don't start Tyler Matzik, and I'm glad I finally have an answer here at game whatever this is 57, 54. So I'm glad I finally achieved my goal of completely understanding why Tyler Matzik never got to start this entire. Yeah, that's season. interesting. That's really yeah, that is interesting. Um, yeah. So okay, I want I want to step back for a second and talk about Fulty. Um, it seems to me that things took a really bad turn the last couple of weeks because either, look, I mean, a bunch of it was lip service, regardless, just to cover for the lack of moves at the trade deadline. But the fact that they, you know, talked up Fulty um, as well as Wright, of course, in, you know, in Anthopolis's uh, press conference that day when they had made no moves, it certainly seemed like Fulty was going to get a start. Like, I would have bet 20 bucks we were going to see Fulty sometime in September and we didn't. Um, yeah. I don't know if I even have a question. It just seems like, you know, maybe he was, things were looking good for a while and then they weren't. Doc, you mind if I get this one before I let you, if, before I let you go about Fulty here? Cause I know Fulty's your guy. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm going to agree with you, Steve. Uh, the Fulty thing that was pure lip service. That was 100% pure political deflection. That is politician being put on the spot. Oh, no, 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 no. Fulty's doing good. Um, notice that he never mentioned that he was sitting 94, just said that he hit 94. Mm. Uh, there have been a lot of differing reports on Fulty coming out of camp. Some starts he's good. Some starts he's getting knocked around by the alternate site guys. Um I do. I am shocked that he didn't get a start, though. Uh, just like I'm shocked that they talked up Sean Newcomb, and the only time he got called back up didn't get into a game. Um, it looks like, according to his wife's Instagram, that Fulty's going into the playoff pool at least, uh, at least on the taxi squad. I don't know if he's going to be on the big roster, but I, I actually do think that if Fulty is anywhere close to being okay or serviceable that that's another guy that you could put into consideration for that number four, number five starter role. Because he's at least got experience. And I think that's going to go a long way with this front office and with Brian Snicker in particular. He would be a hell of a story. Doc, what, what's your position on Fulty and what we might or might not see from him? I mean, I'm, I'm with Dylan. I, I was just flabbergasted that uh, Newcomb came up, he got the knot over Fulty, and then just immediately got the yo-yo. He's, he's like new Chad Sabatia, right? And so I maybe because they know that Fulty's that I mean, and I kinda of feel bad every time I reference like the mental aspect of Fulty because it's like it's right there as a talking point, but I hate it. I don't ever want to use it. But I mean, if you bring up Mike Fulton Abbott and you send him back down, then, you know, that's just a disaster. Maybe Nuke has more mental fortitude to deal with something like that. But I mean look, Fulty was 
bad. That start against the Rays was awful. That was the first talking chop game that I wrote up this year. And when you're doing game coverage, you can't just turn it off. So I had to watch the plane crash into the mountain, right? I mean, he was completely ineffective. He'd been tracking horribly in that uh, that preseason game that was against the Marlins where he was just getting banged up. And, yeah, you get these reports that are coming out of the alternate site. Like, yeah, he's he's looking good. Yeah, yeah, sure, he's looking good. And then – you keep running out Josh Tomlin, which is fine, but you keep running out Robbie Erlin and you trade for Tommy Malone. Granted, it's for two players to be named later, fine, but like you got Mike Boldenovich is right there, you know, like just see if you got anything leading leading up to the deadline, I guess. But I mean, if they if they haven't started him now, I mean, I just can't imagine that they are going to bring him. Bring, I mean, maybe. Maybe if there's something going on with Max uh, and that he was supposed to make one more start by the end of the year. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're just going to kind of bring him up to see. Maybe he can pitch against big league guys instead of just going through the same uh, the same dude down at the triple-A the site. But uh, to me, like, if we haven't seen him now, then it breaks my heart. But I just don't think – I think Mike fulton is probably throwing his last pitch in a Braves uniform because I can't imagine him – being willing to re-engage and try and break through again in 2021. Right. I, I totally agree. Um, all right. Quickly on Hamels, right? When when that news broke a couple of days ago, I was immediately distraught. Like, you know, look, we need that guy to be, you know, the fourth guy or even the third guy, right? Because he's got more experience. I then sort of took a step back and was like, really, this difference is maybe three innings in the wild card series, four or five innings in the divisional series. Won't, you know, get ahead of myself from there. So really the difference is we're covering like eight innings of a starter now that Hamels is gone. Um, Dylan, do you think it's a huge deal that Hamels is not going to pitch for the Braves in the playoffs? No, I actually don't. I don't think Hamels was really ready to come off the IL when he did. I think the Braves were just in such dire states in the starting rotation that he's like, "All right, I'll, I'll keep. I'll just rehab during major league games." If you were to to hold a truth serum to Alex Antopoulos, I don't think he would tell you that they were planning on Cole Hamels playing a big role this postseason. So, you know, there's a lot been made about, oh yeah, he can get three starts in, and in three starts he'll be up to 100 pitches, but. He also hadn't pitched a game in a year. So you're talking about not only the rust of not pitching for a year, but he also didn't get a spring training. So I I don't think that Hamels would have gone more than three or four innings in a playoff game regardless. And you can say what he wanted about how good he felt during that Baltimore start, but he looked exhausted in that fourth inning. So I I don't really think that – I think it, it sounds good to say it's more about, you know, not sounding the alarms, but I, I don't think that they were expecting that much from Hamels to begin with. Yeah, Doc, you see well, what about? Different? No, I mean we uh, we just got done recording this week's episode, and I said something kind of similar. I mean, it, it's so optimistic to assume that that he was just going to come back, and not only was his pitch count going to build up, but he also was going to be super effective and just mowing guys down like the Cole Hamels of old. I mean. It, it, as soon as I saw, like, it didn't surprise me at all that uh, that he got placed on the aisle after that start. And honestly, even on the day of, like, leading up to his start uh, that day against Baltimore, I'm thinking he's going to stub his toe or he's going to break a fingernail or, or something's going to happen where he's not going to get the chance to make this start. He's going to be out for the season. So, 
I mean, it's, it's almost entering Dion Toscano territory where it's like, did we actually even sign him at all? Do, does he even exist? So I, I am curious what this means for next year. Um, kind of similar to the Darren O'Day situation where he just was with the team for so long and then they basically bankrolled his rehab just for an entire year and then he came back and signed like a super cheap deal. I mean, O'Day is not getting paid much at all to be here right now. And I wonder if Hamels wants to kind of uh, save face with the, with the organization and say, Hey, thanks. <laughs> thanks for paying for all of my uh, shoulder stuff and tricep stuff. When I, when I got 10 outs for you, I wonder, I really do. Yeah. Although don't you think he could easily or just as easily retire? Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt about it. We, we might've seen the end of the line for him yeah. depending. Uh, Darren O'Day has worked out. You know, he's been kind of an unsung guy, um, but he's been really, really good out of the bullpen. He has. I think that the, the arm slot is uh, is very beneficial for him because he's not throwing hard at all. You know, he, he works a lot on deception and a lot on movement. And for every time that you hear Chip praising guys that don't have to throw 99, you know, I think that he's he's often, he's kind of making an, an oblique reference to guys, guys like O'Day. Right. So do you guys with Newcomb, we were talking about him. I mean, is it just the fact that the bullpen is so deep and everybody's sort of established at this point that they are not interested in even giving him a shot in the bullpen? Actually, Doc brought that up on uh, we did. We talked about Newcomb on a show a while back uh, about does this mean that he's a reliever from now on? And Doc kind of pointed out that he had that good run in the bullpen when he first got put in there. But aside from like a, a few good outings, he actually hasn't been all that effective in the bullpen. Now, I th- I think Newcomb is probably done here in Atlanta. Uh, he's already, what, 27 or 28. I know he doesn't have a lot of years as far as big league service, but he was already an older prospect. I don't believe he was – I think he was like 23 or 24 when he got drafted. Um, but he's a guy that if, if you can't throw strikes, then you got to find a way to get out. And, and with Newcomb, I think they're kind of overwatching somebody as big as he is and with his type of stuff pitch scared. So there's a difference between nibbling and pitching scared. It's like with Tukey – Tukey nibbles on the corner because he's not confident in his fastball command. Newcomb pitches straight up scared. It's, it's eerily reminiscent of JoJo Reyes back in the day. Oh, JoJo. <laughs> well, I think for, for Newcomb as well, when you start looking at sticking lefties in the pen, you're competing with Will Smith. You're competing with A.J. Mentor. You're competing with Tyler Matzik. I mean, even if you do stick Newcomb in the bullpen, he's still like the fourth best guy. Right. Yeah, and as far as as far as lefties, not not even in terms of that is, doesn't even get into all of the the great righties that are on there. So it's it's weird, and I think that we we all have an attachment to Newcomb, not even so much because of the fact that he was dealt for Simmons, but because he was one of the when Braves traded for him, he was the number one prospect. It was only for like three weeks because that was right before they got Dansby, but he was uh, he was one of the first big pieces of the first wave of the rebuild much like Fulty was and now it's like he's cycled through he had that really good 2018 and now we're just looking at it going is is this the end what's going to happen now it's like looking and seeing Julio in a different uniform like I I don't know where we go from here I don't know how I feel about it I mean I would say that the they they believe the Newcomb as a starter is is a non-starter, for lack of a better phrase, right? I I don't think they believe that's ever going to happen again. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this was the end of the line for him. Um, 
So, so guys, as we record this right on Wednesday night, the Braves are the number two seed and would face the Cincinnati Reds. So since we've won the East, we're locked into either two or three. We're not going to catch the Dodgers. Um, and so six or seven could be like most likely the Cards or the Marlins or the Reds or the Brewers or the Giants. I, you know, there, it would be a miracle for Philadelphia. I think that their doubleheader loss on Tuesday was the final nail in that coffin. Um, so, Doc, who do you want to face in the first round? Funny, we we actually we had this exact conversation just a minute ago. Um, the <laughs> I like I like the idea of facing the Cardinals, and Dylan and I are both very much want to just go and face them immediately. They are the team that broke our hearts last time, and what better way to get revenge than breaking the heart of the person that broke your heart? Uh, I think the Marlins. It would take either the Braves being the three seed and the Marlins being the six or the Braves being the two and the Marlins completely imploding and getting leapfrogged by Philly. Right. Uh, so Philly would slot in as the six and then the Marlins could still be number seven. I don't even know if that's what mathematically that would take, but I would love to face the Marlins in the playoffs just because they, they seem really tired. They seem like they might be running out of steam a little bit now that they're uh, they're having to make up all of those games that they missed. And it's, it's a similar thing to the Cardinals. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, that Milwaukee is, is another team that I would be really interested in facing. If you ever have to face Christian Yelich in the playoffs, you want it to be in a year where he's hitting 208. Um, you know, and Brandon Woodruff has been, has been good for Milwaukee. Corbin Burns has been good for Milwaukee. But, but aside from that, I mean, the, the Braves, I think, could just pound on the Brewers. Um, so that th- those are the three that I would that I would like to see. Do do the Reds scare you? Uh, I can't decide, which I think means they don't. Right. I, I have so much I have so much faith in this offense to even stand up to Trevor Bauer and Gray and Castillo. Because you remember when the Braves played the Indians last year when Bauer was still there, and he was so whiny during his press conference about God, they just. They've got this really annoying approach. Like, yeah, that's called hitting, man. <laughs> Sorry, they wanted to foul a lot off and get you out of the game. It worked, didn't it? And so, you know, as you said that, I, I'm I'm brought back to last night and um, Ozuna's what ten or eleven pitch AB that ended up yep. in that you know double into the right field corner. Um, yeah, I, so I'm with you. I mean, right? Bauer is scary. Bauer's having a tremendous year. But I think that we could wear him down. Their bullpen is not, you know, particularly frightening. Um, so that said, the Marlins, to me, would be the easiest path. Um, I would throw the Phillies in there as well, but I just don't think we're going to see them. Um, Dylan, you have any different opinion on this? Who do you want in the first round? And I, I mentioned this on our show, too. Like, the Marlins actually frightened me more than any of those other guys that we're mentioning because – there's such a plucky type of team. Like I know the, the phrase like scrappy gets overused in baseball and it's usually applied to some white guy who's not super talented, but just knows how to be annoying, like pesky, like Brock Holt. Right. But the Marlins kind of are, they do a good job of hitting with two strikes. They don't, they don't make it easy to strike them out very much. And I just, 
I have a real, I don't really like playing teams that are really, really young. I have really talented young players because they don't, it's like the Braves in 2018 and the Brewers in 2017. They don't really know that they're not supposed to be good yet. So you, you get them into a short series and anytime you're facing Sixto Sanchez, he can absolutely put up, he can, he can dominate you on the right night. They've got some guys that can be annoying. But for me, it, it comes down to one thing. I want the Cardinals. Uh, I don't care if they're the best matchup or the worst matchup. I want to rip their hearts out, show it to them. And then I want to hit Yachty. And then I also want to start a fight with Mike Schilt and Jack Flaherty. I want to rip the soul from their body and then finally exercise all of the 2019 postseason. That's what I want out of the 2020 postseason. Giving the Cardinals, the Brace and beat the Cardinals. I'll be happy with however else anything turns out if they can go out there and punk the Cardinals and then snit in the locker room, say the exact same thing that Schilt said, I will be happy. So, you know, we, we had this similar conversation last Sunday and we were all, we are spooked by the Cardinals, not because of the talent, not because of right, what they are on paper, but just spooked by last year. Do you have like, you're not scared. Not just last year, all well, the years. That's true. Rick the and devil Keel beating us when he couldn't throw a strike every year. The devil team. They're the devil team. They've got some sort of weird voodoo magic that doesn't hit until they get into the postseason because they're never a super talented team. Like their roster's not that good. Right. It's just they're the Cardinals. Yeah, exactly. Now, I mean, even even for what happened last year. So, sorry, sorry to butt in. I swore I wasn't going to do that. But even for Game Five last year, the ten run inning, that's that goes beyond voodoo and devil magic. That's a whole different type of thing going on right there. That there's, I just, I don't know what that was. That's like the next level of hell beneath, uh, you, you know, what we're normally dealing with here. That was that was just gratuitous and unfair. And I and I think that that just I just want to see Acuna hit one seven hundred feet off of Jack Flaherty. That's all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> Guys, you know, so so evil was that inning that it may have ended faulty. <laughs> Certainly ended Fulty's brace career, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Um okay, so we get past the first round. Um so I would guess that the Dodgers scare you. Does anyone else in the NL scare you or tell me that the Dodgers don't? Uh, the Padres, I actually think, would be one of the toughest matchups for the Braves because they're so similar as far as what they are as teams. They go about winning in much the same way. Uh, it's just that the, the Padres' young pitchers have been better than the Braves' young pitchers this year. Now, right now, the Braves' young pitchers are pitching better than they've pitched all season, and the Padres' offense, a lot of their young guys have kind of cooled off a little bit. But you know Tatis isn't going to keep being awful. He's going to go back to being Tatis. He's too talented. Uh, I actually... The Dodgers are the best team on paper, but their starting rotation does not scare me, especially Bueller's been injured, and when he hasn't been injured, he's been super ineffective. Dustin May is really talented, but he's not a guy that's going to go super deep in the games, and the Braves usually fare well against velocity. You know, you've got Clayton Kershaw, but man, what does he do in the playoffs, and is this Clayton Kershaw going to continue to last? I don't like facing the Dodgers lineup, certainly. Right. But I think the Padres would be one of those teams that it'd be a fun matchup for sure. That would be a team that I would love to face in the NLCS just as a baseball purist. Like I'd love to see those two teams going after each other. But I think that Padres team would be scary just in the fact that they're so similar to the Braves. Did you guys see that Clevenger left his start this afternoon with a right bicep problem? I did. I did. 
yeah. if the Braves ponied up to get him, can you imagine what would be going on right now if they found out that Mike Clevenger was not going to be in the fold <laughs> for this playoff run? Can you imagine the fallout, guys? Yeah. The good news is they did not, or would not, That's right. or will not, ever, <laughs> ever trade any for anyone except Tommy Moore. Right. <laughs> Have we heard anything about Tommy Malone? Like, is there any chance that he's on the 28-man for the postseason? Uh, I'm not even certain he's still there. Alex might have taken him up to Canada and, like, just left him there. Right. He might have pulled a Freddy <laughs> and just, like, fired him by Delta email. I haven't heard a word about him. Left yeah. him in Baltimore. Here, take him back. I we were kidding. Hey, what's the return policy on this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys can keep the you can still have the players to be named later. That's fine. Just take Malone back, whatever. <laughs> no, and but it's weird. It's weird though. I was wondering the same thing when as soon as I heard about Hamels, my first thought was, well, it's they have to bring back Malone now, right? Just because you need somebody who's going to give you some level of volume, even if he's allowing eight runs over three innings or whatever. Then you know. It you can't just get somebody. You can't just do a bullpen game in terms of you got nine pitchers going one inning. You need somebody who can eat some time. So and then it just never came up. He's been on the IL for thirteen days now, and no hint of him being activated or coming off or anything. But uh, AA doesn't really disclose a whole lot of information, so he's probably starting game one. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, when when Hamels was still slated to start on Tuesday and Wednesday was TBD. I was sure that was going to be Malone. Just positive. Mm-hmm. But um, I can see why they do the TBD then. You don't want to announce that to the fan base. Hey guys, Tommy Malone is starting again. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that I feel bad for Malone. When the Braves acquired him, he had the exact same F4 as Garrett Cole. Uh, they are obviously different talent levels, but that tells you that he actually was having a pretty decent season. And then he got here and what was that? I mean, you can't give anybody better run support than that. And I mean, between Hamilton, Malone, how many innings they pitched total? Like 12, if that. Right. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. I mean, look, they didn't get him off on a very good foot starting him that same day. In that Sunday night game, but um, you know, recover for the next start, man. Yeah, or the start <laughs> after. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, so guys, let's say again. You never want to be that guy in history that said nobody's ever been this bad before, except for you. And it's happened. I believe it's happened to him twice. Where yeah, like you did it twice. Consecutive ten run outings and not qualify for the win, not even getting through the fourth. Like I think that's happened to him once before when he was in Baltimore too. Yeah. Wow. Um, so guys, let's let's end with this. Um, do you guys think that the Braves are? Well, we'll start here. Do you guys think the Braves are getting through the wild card round? I'll start yes. and say that I do. Well, I jumped the gun because you said you were going to start, and so I will follow yours and say yes again. I do. Doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. No, I agree. I think I think they should, but I made a promise that I was not going to pick the Braves to win a first-round series anymore until they actually did, so I'm not going to make a pick. I'll just say they should. Yeah. And, um, you know, the five-game series, and, of course, with the no days off, um. 
you know, things have to fall right. But, uh, you know, the pieces could fall into place here and they could go really far. You know what I mean? Just get a few good innings out of your starters. Sort of do it like the Nationals did it last year. Play a lot of bullpen innings. The the bats keep hitting like they have been. I mean, the Bra- you know, the Braves could go really far. My God, I think if you get past the Dodgers and win the pennant, I'd feel... Let's just say this. Like, I, w- I think I would feel better in the World Series matchup, whoever that is, than I would in the Dodgers NLCS. Absolutely. There's not an AL team that scares me more than the Dodgers or the Padres, to be quite frank. Yeah. I mean, who who out there are you really worried about? I mean, maybe the Yankees, if they've got everybody working, but their starting rotation is awful. Yep. They can't keep people healthy. They could score a lot of runs, but, I mean, they're, they've got some good bullpen pieces, but I would take Atlanta's bullpen over theirs, and I've Quite frankly, I would, our, our lineup is healthier than theirs, so I, I'm not that worried if you could get past that. I mean, if you could, if you could get past the NLCS, then I think the Braves would be sitting very pretty as far as the World Series goes. Yeah, I agree. Hey guys, can I bring something? Can I bring something up real quick? I, I know we got to get out of here, but I just have to make one quick point and have you guys tell me whether I'm crazy or not. Sure. I I keep looking for any reason. I was so bullish about this team coming into this season, and this was before. Soroka got hurt and before Bolte and Nuke and just, I don't even have to react. You guys know every bad thing that has happened with this team. And I keep looking for reasons to finally wave the white flag and give up. And you know what? I can't find one. And last year it was a good enough team, but I was very like, they could make a run. Yes. But I just don't know. And in 2018, it's like, Oh, I keep every year. There's a reason why I'm like, I don't think they can make it. And this year, even having a million reasons why they can't, I still think of this is the best shot they could possibly have. I don't know why the pitching has the capacity to be historically bad, but the offense is that good. I'm with you, Steve. I think, I think they can make a run, and, and that my inner optimist is screaming right now. But, like, I really think they can. Bad pitching be damned. This is a year. Wouldn't it be the most brave thing ever? to win it in a year that nobody can actually see it or be there for it. Yep. Totally. And they'd still get a better World Series celebration than the Nationals did last year. Yep, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so uh, this is what I think. I think that there is something really magical about the fact that Ian Anderson showed up when and how he did and that Wright, you know, had that conversation with Tomlin and figured a bunch of stuff out. And all of a sudden, Bryce Wilson could paint the inside against righties and live at the bottom of the zone like he did last night. There is magic with this team. And you could say that about the last couple of years, but there's something even a little more special about this group. So, yeah, Doc, I could see it. Yeah, you're, you're saying, yeah, you're, you're picking the ideas out of my head. That's exactly right. There's just something, I, I've got a million reasons to not believe in this team, and I'm not listening to any of them because I, I think. It feels special. There's a very particular vibe coming off this roster right now. Yep, I agree. So, gentlemen, this was a lot of fun. Long overdue, like I said, but seriously, this was great. Thank you guys I, so much. For real, like this, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys for having us on, and uh, it, it's nice to to be on with with who I do consider kind of the the originators of the Braves podcast. So it's really cool. 
Uh, I'm sad to see you guys go, but I'm, I'm really just, I'm honestly, I'm pretty stunned at how long of a run you guys were able to have six years is, or what, 13, 14, however long it's been. Yeah. 14 seasons. It's over 600 episodes, man. That is or 400 episodes. That is a long, long run. And it's been, have you guys been the three man crew the whole time? The whole time. I mean, that's, that's incredible. It's hard enough sometimes just getting two people to be able to do consistent shows day in and day out. So thank you guys so much for having us on. I well, we, we, we wouldn't say they were consistent, but they're ever up every Sunday. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, you guys, you guys have really struck the, struck a great balance of um, very conversational. It, it feels like, you know, one of the vibes that we always wanted to go for was not just being like mega pretentious. And, you know, we we're stats guys and we love to talk about that stuff, but like, at the end, we're just two dudes talking about baseball, and and you guys have nailed that vibe. But once you stop reading box scores on your show and everything, you really nailed that vibe. <laughs> but but uh, you know, you guys kind of set the blueprint for everything that that we do and, and all of the other podcasts that the Braves podcast we're doing too. So um, congratulations on an amazing run, and congratulations on your retirement. And uh, I hope you do great things in the future. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, guys. All right, so big, big thanks to Dylan and Doc. Make sure, everybody, you subscribe to the Platinum Sombrero podcast. Follow the podcast on Twitter at TPS underscore podcast. Follow Doc at Braves Herbert and follow Dylan at Dylan X Short. And remember to find us at Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as AtlantaBaseballTalk.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at ATL Baseball Talk and to like us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and go Braves! Thanks for listening to Atlanta Baseball Talk, your weekly podcast for all things Atlanta Braves. To find new shows, to post in our forum, or to send a comment, please visit us at atlantabaseballtalk.com. Had to admit the problem, it's a hard thing to admit. Had to get on the program, it ain't an easy road when you quit. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.